Hi, I'm Ed Smith with the president of Valor Wealth Partners. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Boston and Washington, D.C. that focuses on federal employees. Good morning, Ed. How are you doing today? Pretty good yourself? Oh, good. Very good. It's, it, you know, it's the end of the week, and I, whenever it's the end of the week for me, I get really excited. Um, so talk to me about you. Who are you, and how did this company start? Sure. So... Um, well, first, uh, one of my bigger identities is being a Marine. Um, so I served in the Marine Corps for uh, four years. And, um, but really, I've been doing this for 20 years, working with, uh, in financial planning, serving clients for about 20 years. And um, one of my clients was a federal employee. And one of the things I realized is there wasn't a lot of um, services and resources there to support her. There was a huge lack of resources. So doing more research, I decided that I wanted to form something different and better and form the company. Um, but it was a little bit bigger than that. It was um, the change in the industry itself. It was technology, regulations, people, costs. There was so many things coming together. It was, it was almost like it was the perfect storm. And I just couldn't keep doing things the way that I was. And so I left the company that I was at for 13 years uh, without a plan. Um, I did not plan on starting this company. Uh, but I called a couple of clients because it is a very personal relationship. And they said, Ed, we really want you to start this company. We want you to, to be there to serve us. And I'm like, all right, let me put a business plan together. Did it real quick. And then um, a little over a year and a half later, this is where I am. So, um, well, well, tell me a little bit more about the company. So I mean, you sat down with this woman. What was the problem? What was the situation that, what, that became your pain point that you decided that I need to start a company? Um, I need to make changes, but what was it? What was the problem? Well, for, with her specifically, with federal benefits, they're very unique. The pension is very unique. Um, and, and when I say unique, it's just not something that's finding a regulation or, or looking at the book. The government loves to complicate things. And, and because they complicate things, they make things very difficult. A perfect example is if you're married and you do not take a survivor benefit plan or a to protect the pension when the, the federal employee passes away, you can do not qualify for health insurance when that person passes away. And not knowing that, you could really hurt somebody by not having health insurance in 85, 90 years old. And so there really wasn't a lot of people specializing in it. People were talking about it, they said they could do it, but they really didn't know the ins and outs. And that really can put do more harm to a person when you say, oh, hey, I got it, but you really don't. And um, so by specializing it and having people behind me that know even more than me, um, we really can bring a, a, a credible resource to people versus just saying, oh, yeah, we, we can do those things. We, we're not everything to everybody. When it comes to financial planning, most people aren't thinking about that. I mean, I mean, most I mean, look, right now you're hearing, especially during this, um, the, the pandemic, you're hearing people are living paycheck to paycheck. So when they're living paycheck to paycheck, financial planning is something that they don't think about at all or they're depending so much on social security, which a lot of people shouldn't be depending on social security because it's not a lot of money to live off of. So what are you, I mean, what are you advising people on how to, how do I go forth knowing that I have no idea what the future is like and I have no idea how much I should put into savings? Right. I think the first thing is, is really grounding a person emotionally. You know, when, with the pandemic, well, it is important on the budgeting and the, and the financing things of it, people are scared and, and they're scared because we've had a really good run in the stock market. You know, we've had 11 years and when, when the market drops 30% and people are relying on that for their paycheck, 
and that to be able to be their li livelihood either now or in the in the future they're they're really scared so we have to first address that and so we've had a lot of contact with our clients uh, when the market first dropped we talked to the clients twice within a week and a half we called the whole client list twice and now we don't do that it's now they know that we're watching it but they had to be reassured but then when you start looking at, like you were saying, is not having a paycheck or not having this or a small business that a spouse owns and, you know, what do I do with the PPP or the EIDL or, you know, how does this affect me and, and am I going to get in trouble if I don't really need it, you know, and, and the moral and ethical dilemmas on there as well. Um, but then you also have to, once you get past the emotional side of things, it's, it's doing the education and, and helping people out on that. We just worked with the client this week that we're going to get her out of debt in about a year and a half. And she was paying off the wrong thing. She was paying off certain aspects, but not the others. And it was just constantly eroding her money. I mean, she was paying probably about $3,000 a month in credit card and student loan debt. Uh, sorry, $3,000 a year, just an interest cost. Not even, you know, where the other stuff. It was just the interest alone that's just burying her. So okay, so, really so you just said something that was very interesting to me where someone is being, someone's still able to pay off debt during this world. I mean, we're... We're living in a very scary time. A lot of people yeah. are getting furloughed. I mean, uh, numbers are going higher and higher in regards of people that are uh, going for unemployment. And yeah. yet someone is able to find ways to get rid of costs. Please right. tell us how. <laughs> well, uh, luckily, a lot of the clients that we're working with are federal employees, which are still getting paid. Again, on the other side, when you have a federal layoff, they're not getting paid. And then we have the, the exact switch on that stuff. Um, so most people that I'm talking to are either paying or are trying to get rid of this cost and they're, they're getting some type of paycheck. But if you don't have that, then you have to be creative. You have to be able to make sure that people are, are looking at these. And, and I have another client, she was reduced hours at the job she has and she's been not denied unemployment. And, and they're saying, okay, well, we'll have a, a, a court date or, you know, we'll have a hearing in a month or two. Well, that's not helping her. And I said, well, now you need to be more proactive with your, the owner of the company and you have to talk to them and saying, is, what is going on? Why are we being denied? Is there something you can do to help me? As a business owner, we have to look as our employees, as our kids. They are looking to us for the guidance, the support, their livelihood. And if we're not addressing that, then we're, we're not being a good business owner and we shouldn't expect our employees to come back after all of this is happening. You know, when, when I talk to other people that are, that are being furloughed, you know, I tell them I mean, when all of this is over, if you're not going to stay with your company because of how they treated you, one of the first questions you should be asking a new employer is, what did you do during the pandemic? How did you treat your employees? That should be the first question you ask. That shows a company's character. And, and I think that that's really big. I mean, we're rearranging the, I only have one other staff person, well, one other staff, paid staff person. Um, and we're making sure that she's busy and other projects that we're doing to try to be able to fill some of the void with other areas that we don't need. So. I love that you just mentioned that key thing where like, what are people doing um, during the pandemic? Um, one of the things that I like doing a lot is like walking around my neighborhood and there are stores that have been closed since day one. And there are stores that since day one, they've been coming up with creative ways to stay alive and stay alert and be relevant. And so what would you say to a, I mean, if you had a, um, uh, a client that owned a small business, uh, what would you say, how do we ride the wave? How do we um, allocate, allocate the, the PPP and the EIDL? Look, what do we do with that money? Uh, what if a lot of our employees don't want to come back? I think that's one of the things I'm hearing more and more that we have the money, but yet 
people are getting paid more on unemployment and so people aren't coming back, so what should we do? How do you advise them when they're so overwhelmed and the anxiety is extremely high when they're business owners? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things is you have to look at business owners as a unique type of person. A person that owns a business is somebody that is generally an A-type personality and their mind doesn't shut off. So just because their store is shut, they're still, hopefully they're still thinking about their business. If they haven't, hopefully this is a time that they can re-energize and get back to a love of their business. And they can actually say, what can I do? What have I been doing that's just been trudging along because I haven't had time to paint the walls, reorganize the aisles, um, look at the inventory, look at the, the most profitable items and put them in a certain area of the store versus another area. You know, so we, instead of just sitting and watching another Netflix um, series, you know, really look at, spend some time and say, when this comes back, how can I triple my profits? What is it that I need to be able to do? Where's the vision? When was the last time I actually sat down and wrote a business plan? When did I revise it? Um, maybe I'm going to need to get a loan when this comes out because the, the government funding that was there isn't enough. And can I show that what I've done and what I did in this period of time is going to enhance that growth? So I think this is a phenomenal time for business owners that can't be open to regenerate, regenerate and um, even step into a new market maybe of what they're able to do because they just have that, that capacity to make some changes. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I was on the phone uh, this morning with my sister, she owns a hair salon and she's having that struggle. One of the people is saying, well, I don't know if I want to come back because I'm fearful of coming back. But in reality, it's probably because they're getting paid more than what they were getting paid before. And that's a very big challenge for business owners is do you take that employee back when that paycheck goes down? And Sometimes it's going to be having to have those hard questions that when we needed you, you weren't there for the business. It's, it's tough to be able to look at that. Even if they're a good employee, you have to look at how they, how they handle them, themselves as employees. So. Well, you know what? You just like brought me right into the perfect little question. Um, what would you tell someone that's right now? I, I've been sitting at his job. I feel that it wasn't the right place for me. And now it's time to maybe to make that change, that change that I really wanted to do. You're an entrepreneur you own your own business, what would you say to a person that is thinking about it and what are the highs and what are the lows of owning your own business? Smile um, comes up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, in, in prepping for this, this interview, it's, it was really looking at, you know, why am I in business? And, and I think the question for me really was, why have I taken so long to get into business? Everybody in my family has been business owners from my grandparents that owned a dairy farm, my parents, most of my siblings. Um, and what I can say to somebody that's looking at it is if you believe in yourself, do it. Take the leap early. Don't be miserable for years working for somebody else when you know you can be better. And when you're looking at it, I always use a multiplier of 80%. Try to get 80% of what you want. You're, if you wait to get to 100% of what you want to get the perfect solution, you're going to wait too long. You have to take that leap and just say, you know what, this is good enough to get out there and do what I need to be able to do. The clients and the business will dictate the other 20% to drive you to get that better growth. Um, so just the first thing is take the leap. The other thing is, is plan for the unplannable. I mean, this is a great um, exercise that we're going through. <laughs> you know, it's, it, nobody could have planned for this, um, but you have to be able to be realistic about this. I it was extremely lucky that right when this hit, we were just hitting profitability for the company in, in a year and a half. I mean, it was phenomenal. So we were able to do that. I still was not getting paid after a year and a half. 
And, but you still have to look at that. And as a low side, starting a business, you really have to look at your finances. You have to look at what resources do I have? How can I survive for two years without getting paid? And when I say that, it doesn't always have to be that you have the money in the bank, but maybe you have another resource of somebody else that can help you out or get you to that point, uh, family, um, whatever it else that it's be able to do. But, but sometimes it makes, you have to go slower than what you really want because you can't afford those capital or outlays of money because you just don't have it. Um, what did this pandemic do for you? I mean, you were saying, you just said it, like you were on your, the rise. Um, what has it done for the industry? What has it done for you? Um, could you have ever imagined that we would be here? I mean, this is something that you read in history books and Bibles, but could you, what did, I mean, what did it really do for your community? Sure. Well, for me, you know, like I said before, we've had a, a big drop in the market. So that's a huge thing. And, and I think what it does when we have these drops is it shows clients what type of a person you are. You either run and hide because you're afraid to talk to clients or you talk to clients because you, you know that this is the time you need to shine and this is the time they're expecting you to be there. Um, so I think that's a very big thing for the industry is the drop. Uh, for me, I was traveling a lot. I, in January, I was in DC. Now I live in Boston, but I have offices in Boston and DC. I was in DC 20 days out of January. And now I'm in my house every day. <laughs> So I'm not traveling, which it's cutting down that cost for hotels and flights. Um, but so that was a big thing. Um, but I also, we were, we were running marketing uh, workshops. I would have around 40 people at these workshops. We won't have those through the end of the year. I mean, we may, maybe October, November, but I highly doubt that anybody's going to want to get into a room with other people, even though they need the information, they, they won't do that. They'll find another way to get their information. So that's a big thing. Um, but when I look at, you know, how I've changed in those different types of things, I really would say that focusing on the small details. Um, I'm a person that believes that actions is better than words. You know, do something versus say something. So, you know, both personally and professionally, it's the small things. It's the little things you do for somebody that shows you that you care, that you're there, um, and, and they're struggling too. And you have to be able to look at that. You have to be able to say, what can I do for this person? You just in a little, little, thing that I'm going to do it doesn't have to be a grand gesture. We're not going to go take a trip because we can't, you know? Um, so what can we do to be able to be there for other people in that different situation? So that's really where that is. Um, and, you know, professionally, it's just, um, we were kind of lucky because we have clients in 12 States. So we were already using web conferencing and video conferencing. Um, so it, while we weren't doing it a lot, it wasn't a huge jump to try to find a solution. We'd already tested out different solutions. So we were kind of lucky in that way. How are you able to see your clients in Washington? You spend a lot of time in Washington, obviously in a lot, I mean, they are overworked, they are stretched thin, and yet you, this is a perfect time for you to jump in and help them like balance the professional and the personal. Um, how are you able to contact those clients, the clients and the potential clients right now? Because we're, we're going into week number eight um, of being quarantined. Um, some people going into week number 10. And so what are you, how are you able to like, help them at, at this time. Yeah. Well, you know, being in the markets of Boston and DC, people are actually very glad that they're not going into Boston and DC because the cost for parking, the traffic, they're like, wow, this is, this is great. I love this medium. I love this. We, no, we can do this even when we do open back up, which is great for me because I'm more flexible on time, cuts down on costs. Um, 
but so we're, we're doing a lot of web conferencing. And again, when I do these, I say, I'm on the camera. You don't have to be. Um, but most people do because they want that interaction. They, they really like seeing another face because they've been so cooped up. Um, so it really hasn't been difficult. It's been a little bit challenging for some people to get used to it that hadn't. But for the most part, it's been pretty, pretty easy. Um, but staying in, in, in front of people, I really have to credit my uh, comfort manager. He's been doing a really good job on that. Uh, <laughs> so my comfort manager is my seven-year-old Weimariner dog. And he sends out a monthly email with funny topics, like for Valentine's I Day. I love them. They make, they make me extremely happy whenever I see one. Yeah. And, and so he's really been stepping up his game. And, and the response I get, I, I generally get probably a, a I get at least five to 10 comments read back saying, hi, Everett, you know? And, and so it's great to have that, that back and forth with a marketing piece that's just out there, very short, um, but just a picture of him doing something funny, wearing a hat, stuffed animal. You know, he was in front of the computer, like sitting where I am now with his glasses on, you know, just something funny to, to try to cut the ice a little bit. But that goes out to everybody that we have um, on our email marketing list. Um, and then one of the other things that's been very valuable is, because we are talking to clients so much, we are getting a bunch of referrals. Our clients are actually spreading the word about us, um, and which is which is great. That's the best you can do. Is it, not only does it say that you're doing a great job, um, but the the conversion ratio on a referral is a lot higher than somebody you don't even know. So. Yeah, the word of mouth is um, by far the best way of marketing. I mean, that's like a tried and true. Uh, whenever someone could say, you know what, Ed is just doing a great job. I mean, and he can actually help you. I mean, you can't buy that. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's literally a priceless act, which is like a fantastic thing. Um, if you were going to, um, if you're looking at a store that's right now, like a store that's in your neighborhood that's still closed, um, you, we discussed it a little bit earlier. What would you be saying to those stores that are now looking week number eight, nine, ten? 10? Hey, what should we be doing right now? But all this time has gone by. What would you say to a company like that that wants to reach out to you because they realize, okay, maybe I'm a little bit late to the gate. Um, and I'm using this as a, a, as an example for an individual that maybe I'm a little bit late to the gate of investing in myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so what would you say to a person that is a little bit late to the gate? Right. Well, I think that we're exactly in that, that situation. We were late to the gate to start building up our marketing. And part of the reason was, is we were so, we, and we still are so busy. I mean, I work till seven o'clock at night, a lot of nights I'm working Saturdays. Um, so we are extremely busy. Um, and so what I'm doing and what I would tell other people to do is, is just be blunt, you know, say what's going on, say, you know, we've been busy. We've had to take care of our clients first. <laughs> Sorry. I see, I see my comfort no, manager I, walking I, behind I me. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, we've been busy taking care of people. We've been doing what we needed to, to do, you know, either being proactive and helping other people, uh, helping, making sure that we're so solid in the company, making sure that we're going to survive long-term. And because of that, now we can go forward and start growing. We couldn't grow until we knew we were going to be able to survive this. We know we've put the things in place that we're going to be able to survive. And our clients are in a good place that we can now start marketing. I think it's unfair to start marketing when you can't handle people. And I think people experienced it with the banks that are out there trying to get loans, but yet they can't handle the work or the, the load that they have. Um, and so you, you have to be able to do it, but I just be frank with people, tell them where you are. And I think that a lot of people, at least the clients that I have love hearing that we are on stable ground with the company and that we are going to survive this. So. Yeah. And, and in regards to the individual that is coming to you because they're late to the gate and saving, 
So again, you're a financial, you're a, a financial strategist and you are um, there for them. But right now they're thinking, wow, we are watching all of our savings deplete. And, and then there's all those individuals that are late to the gate in regards of like, what should I be doing? Because I'm at, at, I'm at 50 or I'm at 40. What should I be doing? I never thought about saving before. I never thought about investing. What would you say to those individuals? You know, that goes along with a question I get asked a lot. You know, Ed, am I, am I able to retire? The answer is always yeah. yes. I just don't know what your retirement's going to look like. Okay. And today, a lot of people work in retirement. They don't completely stop. And it's not because they need to financially. It's a lot of times because they want things in life that is like travel. You know, if you have a choice of, well, I don't want to work anymore because I'm, I'm done and I'm, I'm, I just want to be able to have a relaxed life or wh whatever age that is. Um, you need to be able to say, well, if I want to take those trips, if I want to spend this money doing these different types of things, will I do that part-time job to do that? And it's a discretionary money. Most people, as long as they've been somewhat reasonable in their lifestyle and their savings, they should be able to cover their basic expenses. And if they can't, they really need to get a grasp of this. They really need to get some, some professional help to be able to look at this. And, and it's not because that they can't do these things. It's because they, they know how to, they're just not doing it. They don't have the motivation. They don't have the accountability. It's like going to a gym and having a personal trainer. I can count to 20, but I'm not going to count to 20. I'll stop at 11 because I'm done. All right. <laughs> The trainer isn't there because you don't know how to count. He's there to make sure you get to 20 or sometimes they miss numbers. So you're actually doing 23, you know, so it's, it's there to keep you accountable. And that's why we, we, a lot of people hire us is to keep them accountable to make sure they're on go on, on top of their goals. And sometimes you need that. You need that professional things. You can find anything on the internet these days. You're not going to have the experience that I have with 20 years, but you can probably find somebody's opinion of what, of what that is. It's so funny how you say about the accountability because there's nothing that I don't do that I don't put it out to the, I don't put it out to my community where I'm going to run a marathon. And of course, someone's going to ask you, so how's that training going? Like, oh, right. I said I was going to run a marathon. So it is like <laughs> the second you put it out to the universe, the universe is keeping you accountable, which is a really good thing. And I think that more and more people just assume Hey, I can do it myself. Yet there's no schoolings. There's nothing that teaches you about savings. A lot of people know that rule of like, you don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. You don't, you don't talk about money. And people still have that in their minds. It's such an archaic thing. And so people feel very uncomfortable saying, I didn't do it right. And so to come to someone and admit that like, okay, I need support. I need help. I need someone to keep me accountable to what my end goal will be is, is very, very important. And I love that you're there for them. So if you were going to put something out to the, like, I love the universe because I really do believe when you put it out there, the universe hears, um, what would be your ask? What would be something that you'd want people to know about your company, to know about you, to know that you are a small business, but you are growing, but what, what are your needs right now? Well, obviously it's, it's growth. It's trying to get to a, a sustainable client base that is, is helping to pay not only the company bills, but also making sure that we can grow and pay my bills, you know, cause that's, that's important thing. So I can be there long-term. Um, so what I would say is, well, I, an ask to the universe is really, it's, it's multifaceted. It's partly look at yourself first, figure out what you need. And if you do need some professional guidance, if you do need some support, whatever that is, try to find the right advisor. If we're that for you, that's great. Not, we're not going to match with every client and we do work with more people than, than just federal employees, but we have different focuses. 
we are not focused on your investments. While we do that, we don't judge ourselves or we're not judged by the rate of return or how much money you will have or whatever that is. That's a tool to get you to yourself, looking at you first. Um, and if that's what you want, if you want to look at the taxation, the accountability, the budgeting, all of these different things and how everything works together to make you a better person. So you can say, yes, I can do this. I can go have fun. That's what we want. We want you to be able to feel comfortable and financially confident to be able to do the things you want in life. Um, it's organizing, simplify, and, and clarifying your financial life. That's what we're there for you. So my ask would be is first see if you need this, which most people do. They just, they're in denial sometimes. And then take a look at us. If we're good for you, that's great. If not, you know, maybe we can guide you in some place that, that can help you because there are people that say they like their investments more than they like the planning side. And that's perfectly fine. It's just knowing who you are and what you want with a relationship. You know what? I didn't want to like leave this conversation without one thing. All over your website, there's the word fiduciary, fiduciary. And that's one of the things where people see it, but people don't know what it is. Can you just like really quickly just tell us what it is and why it's so important? Sure. So a fiduciary is a, a legal and moral obligation to work in a client's best interest at all times. That's disclosing conflicts of interest, um, letting you know what's going on, uh, sharing when we, when we're, when we have different areas. And a conflict of interest isn't just we get a commission. It could be that, you know, I'm sure I'm sending this off to my brother-in-law that owns a business and I'm going to get a family benefit from this. It's, it's basically letting anybody know when you have a, a different side or you have a different incentive to do something. So as a fiduciary, we are always working on our client's best interest to make sure that they're being taken care of. And if for any reason there is a conflict of interest, no matter how small, we will disclose it. So. Ed, thank you so very much for your time. I mean, this has been great. I mean, I love talking to you. Um, again, full disclosure, you're one of my clients, so I love you to death. And, and I do love that Everett is, I, I don't see him anymore. He's, <laughs> but he's laying down that. now. He got tired. <laughs> he likes to hang out. Um, and, I, and at the end of this, I want to see, I mean, I want to see um, when this is all over, I want to see what it looks like for you. So, I mean, I want to really hear how your first day is when we all come out of this. I don't really know if there is going to be a first day. It will be a very gradual for us. Um, but for me personally, that's going to be the first day when I get to go and, you know, get to go see my little niece and get to give play with her and see family and hugs. That's, that's where I'm looking forward to business. Business is business. It's a, it's, while it's passionate, I love it. I it's to me, it's an art and I love the creativity of the business. Um, it's really about, I can't wait to be spending time with family and friends. So a hundred percent. I agree with you. I'm a hugger and it's killing me where there's like not enough hugs for me in my life right now. So I, I can't wait. I, I'm with you. I'm hundred percent with you. And thank you so very much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jody. You have a great day.